Everybody, welcome to All Revved Up for Sunday. We're the clergy of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. I'm Peter Walsh. I'm Justin Crisp. I'm Elizabeth Garnsey. So Merry Christmas. Today we have the Christmas story as told in the Gospel according to Luke. Perhaps the most famous story in the world. This is a story that we care about its translation. We care uh, in Western Christianity greatly about translations of the Lord's Prayer in its traditional sense, the 23rd Psalm in its King James Version, and also the King James Version of the Christmas story. For us, it has to do with, was our Lord wrapped in bands of cloth or swaddling clothes? <laughs> Here it is. The King James Version. Luke, verses 1 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be enrolled, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to be delivered. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in that region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. The Gospel of the Lord. This is a story that is so well known, it's interesting to find out where you get a handle on it and some new way to see it and know it. Anybody with a, a handle to begin the, our conversation? I'm struck this time, reading through it, by the emotions of the figures in the story, particular, particularly their fear and their amazement. Um, nice. I, you know, uh, the glory of the Lord shines around the uh, the shepherds who are out in the field, and it says that they were sore afraid in the King mm -hmm. James Version. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, the new translations, I don't know. Uh, it, just, it doesn't have the same poetry, but it doesn't speak to my heart in the way that this does, probably because Linus 
in uh, you know um, the the Peanuts uh, yeah, Christmas Christmas. <laughs> Christmas special, he reads from the King James version. That's probably where it comes from for me. But they're so afraid. And then the angel responds, be not afraid. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking that like, there's so many things in life, right? Where you approach the thing, which is your heart's desire. You finally see what you want. And you're actually, your reaction is not to be overjoyed, it's to be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> there's something about the really realness of this moment that the shepherds have come to, or actually that has come to them, right? The shepherds are out and living their ordinary life. They're not on a, they, they've not gone out seeking the Christ child or anything like that. They're not like the wise men. They've not seen a star. They're living their ordinary lives and the angel shows up and they receive the news that they've been longing for, the longing of their hearts and they're terrified. They have to be reminded okay it's all right don't be afraid here's what's happened etc 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 and then when they deliver that news to uh to those who are at the manger to mary and joseph it says all who heard it were amazed at what they heard yeah. and i think that that awe and that fear are actually similar to one another mm -hmm. right awe is fear just once removed it's just it's just a fear with a little bit of joy it's like fear laced with joy right. um Anyway, uh, that's what's standing out to me right mm. now. I kind of wish that I was like there with the shepherds. I mean, what would that have been like? Would I have like, what would I have done? Would I have like hidden under a rock or something like mm. that? Or uh, mm. what would happen if the glory of the Lord shone around me? <laughs> I, freaked yeah. out is probably the word that we would use. Yeah, that's yeah. not King James language, but no, freaked no, out is freaked probably out is good. good. Yeah, right. that's the... The new version, what do they call the, the most, the latest new version? <laughs> yeah. It's in the message. The yeah, wake yeah, up version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's better. And the shepherds were wake up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's it's the Gospel of Luke, which I think is worth pointing out. It's so, it's such a contrast from the other Gospels. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, we can't really remind ourselves enough that we really wouldn't have a Christmas pageant without the Gospel of Luke. Right. I mean, here's where mm -hmm. we get the emperor and the angels and the heavenly host and shepherds and, you know, the manger and the animals and, yeah. you know, every, every, all these beautiful little True. watercolor mm -hmm. stills um, are brought to life here. And, um, and I'm also just wowed by the mastery of this writer that from mm. the outset, there's purpose to all this setup mm -hmm. and how in this birth narrative, we have, um, you know, Jesus born, and, and, and Luke goes to great pains to set up the context. You know, it's, it's a degree goes out from Caesar Augustus, mm -hmm. and this was the first enrollment when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And, you know, all this kind of moment in history framework. Yeah. And I looked up, at, well, read again about um, Caesar Augustus. Yep. How his title, you know, Augustus was a title given to him because he ushered in the Pax Romana and he was, you know, yeah. brought peace to the world. And Augustus was this title that meant awe-inspiring. Mm -hmm. And so when you're talking about awe <laughs> and, you know, yeah. the shepherds wow. being awed, you know, I mean, we have this backdrop of, of Caesar Augustus, you know, the peace-bringing, awe-inspiring governor. And then he wants to control everybody right away to get them enrolled and tax them. So there might be peace, but it's a heavy, heavy price on that peace, yeah. you know. And um, and so, but yet he's he's brought in this era of peace, and you know D Jesus can be born during this time, and you know Joseph has to go to this no place on the map, Bethlehem, and mm -hmm. you know coming out of 
Jerusalem is this, or is this um, you know, this order. And, you know, so I guess there's this power versus the powerless and, mm. you know, the, the control versus the, the subject and, um, you know, all these people in positions of power and Jesus is born to the utterly nameless, powerless people. Um, and, you know, in this is born the, the savior of the world, the real prince of peace, you know, in the obscurity and the dark. And then the people who get the news first are similarly, you know, the shepherds and they're the unlikely chosen, the way that David was the unlikely son to be mm-hmm. considered as a right. king. Right. His father's like, oh, couldn't be David. He's a shepherd, you know, he's not even here. And and then they have to go get him. And, you know, I yeah. mean, so it's, there's such a great echo in this gospel. I just love how it's written. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, there's no room in the inn, you know, there's no room for Jesus. And, and throughout the gospel, there are all the gospels actually, um, there's that passage about um, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes mm-hmm. have holes, birds have nests. Right. Um, right. So, you know, the world, and then John, it's like, you know, he's he comes into what is his own and his own people mm-hmm. reject him. So, I don't know, there's just so much great richness in this these scenes that, that flow, and, you know, the rest of the gospel flows out of this, where, um, you know, he's even born into an eating trough, and... You know, we all remember him by eating, you know? Oh, not that we're, not wow. we're animals. <laughs> oh, that's really but good. Not that we're animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love just the <laughs> structure of the writing and the motifs and stuff. I think just incredibly powerful. Yeah. Well, I think that's one of the reasons it is perhaps the most well-known story in the world. You know, so. In part, not only because of... The percentage of the world that is Christian through time, but also this of all the stories has uh, such an evocative, uh, uh, evocative uh, underpinning and way about it. I mean, brilliantly, brilliantly put together. But all that stuff about what we were talking about earlier with the God of reversal in our previous Lucan conversations, we get it here. So uh, yeah, the, the 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 Messiah. I mean, he's he, there's many many titles uh, for him here: Savior, Lord, Messiah. Uh, you know, in the in the uh, in late in the trough, and so in it's the exact opposite of what would think it's not with Caesar Augustus, right? Mm-hmm. And it's uh, and it is to the shepherds, the lowest of the low people. And then what shall be your sign? Yeah. The sign is a, a, the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, which which is by the way, uh, a bands of cloth is actually the translation, but it just sounds yeah. so terrible. We nah. want our Lord wrapped in swaddling clothes, <laughs> but uh, uh, wrapped in bands of cloth, and so the whole thing is reversed. I think the thing that um, is is so wonderful about this is actually uh, the phrase "good news with great good good news of a great joy." Mm-hmm. That that is that's the thing that that mm-hmm. through every era leaps out. We're always in need of yeah. good news yeah. uh, of a great joy, and uh, and particularly we were just talking before we got started about all the issues that people are facing with uh, with COVID spiking again in so many parts of mm-hmm. our country and our world, uh, and people are worn out. and And every year it seems we come around and it's just like. How we made it to Christmas because now we need some good news with great joy. We always need good news with great joy, and that the great joyness of this, uh, in our sore afraidness, this message always calls out in our humanity that there is a light. Yeah. That there is light, and the light is this child in the manger. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the brilliance of it, the charism of Christmas, uh, is is that the the that Jesus and the living Christ uh, comes to us in many forms, but there's something irresistible about a babe. Mm-hmm. who is, has 
um, no defense mechanisms at all. Yeah. Right? It's wrapped in bands of cloth. And we receive the good news of great joy in the spirit of our lives, in our spiritual lives, because from the baby, we just simply receive the divine light in our heart. Mm -hmm. And so that this story is not only a story written long ago about something that happened even longer ago, but it's actually completely alive and evocatively alive in our lives now. I mean, every year we hear it, and it's mm -hmm. just like, oh, man. Right. It's sweet, you know, it's spiritual sweetness, it's consolation. It's it just irresistible, You're totally completely right. irresistible. It is. You're totally right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, the incarnation is like the reason why I'm a Christian. Um, mm. This story is why mm. I'm a Christian, and what this story cool. means is why I'm a Christian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the fact that um, the fact that God opted to become a vulnerable, radically helpless, defenseless, needy child is totally astonishing to me. Yeah, it's just utterly astonishing to me. Mm -hmm. uh, also astonishing to me. That God would choose this kid. Yeah, the particularity of right? it. Like this kid. this kid. Why not another kid? Right. Why not Augustus? <laughs> right? right? Why not Augustus? Why not somebody? Why not a kid in New Canaan, Connecticut? You know, I love the kids in New Canaan, Connecticut. No, 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 no. no. He, it, Canaan, why he the first was, century? He was born in Canaan, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Different. No, not, not to. Not to. <laughs> not, not Old to Canaan, that, New Canaan. Because was the second coming. Right. That's right. Yeah. The second coming's got to be in oh, no. New Canaan. You heard it here. <laughs> right. Oh, no. Uh, <clears throat> might get misquoted. Um, you know, he chooses. God opts for this particular time, place, life, etc. Yeah. And there's a lot that we learn about God in and through that, right? So the 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 founder of liberation theology, Gustavo Gutierrez, says this is how we know that um uh this is how we know that God opts for the poor. Or as uh, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth says, this is how we know that the poor are God's first love. It's not that God doesn't love all of everything that which God has made. God's love is unconditional, universal, etc. But there's something about the poor being God's first love that, mm -hmm. that we're taught here. God doesn't choose to be made incarnate in Augustus, whose title was also Son of God, right? Just like Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, this yeah. is the title which the Romans used for, for Caesar. Uh, right. And Augustus is the all one. He's the Prince of Peace. He's known for all these things. And mm -hmm. instead, the message of this crazy religion is that, nope, it's not Augustus. It's not anybody like Augustus. Mm -hmm. It's this mm -hmm. no-name born to no-name people in this no-name place at this really odd time in history the people who belong to a nation of nobodies who are like under the thumb of like multiple powers and puppet kings like Herod who's yeah. going to appear in the story later on. That's so there's both like there's the radical vulnerability of just the human condition as such and that God shows, you know, I'm going to live it from the beginning to the end from a baby on through. Although sometimes I, I kind of wish that, you know, Jesus lived to be like 81 or 82 or something oh, like that. So that, you know, Jesus could tell us what he was supposed to do about retirement and 401ks. <laughs> If more seriously, what to do with the aging process, right? You know, Jesus dies at 33-ish, yeah. thereabouts. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but there is something powerful about the fact that God didn't just choose to come as like a 22-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> didn't, uh, God chose the beginning, the baby. Mm -hmm. And then also the fact that God chose this baby, mm -hmm. this baby, mm -hmm. this no name, etc. Yeah. Right. Just, I, I'm awed by that. Mm -hmm. I'm freaked out by it just a little bit. Mm -hmm. That eternity could become a finite fact. Uh, to quote um, Lancelot Andrews, an Anglican divine of the 17th century. Um, mm -hmm. I'm freaked out by it, but I'm moved by it. It captures my heart every time. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Mm. That's a God I can follow. That's a God I can follow. Oh, that's very cool. We can, we're hearing the echoes of your spiritual biography, autobiography coming at some point, I hope. Mm-hmm. How about your spiritual autobiography? <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you make of that in particular? Oh my gosh. The, I mean, the incarnation is, is everything. I think we get everything out of that. And, um, I, you know, even just the swaddling clothes, I read some an interesting commentary about swaddling clothes. And, and of course, <laughs> just the word swaddle that. reminds me of um, when Charlie was born. You know, he was born large, just like he lives. You know, he lives large. He was born all spread out, <laughs> spread eagle, wah, you know. Like and um, we, I had this excellent doctor named uh, Dr. Silverstein, and he was famous for the Silverstein swaddle. Mm. And he would, like, one hand, you know, like a rodeo cowboy kind of wrap the kid really tight so they're like this and and he could hold him up with one hand from the bottom you know mm-hmm. got this little peanut and um and it's so funny because the kid's just like super calm by this swaddle yeah and um, yeah. wow yeah. interesting but, but the commentator talked about swaddling clothes as a symbol or an icon of culture and how mm-hmm. jesus is you know born into a culture formed by his parents right. wrapped in in this you know, particular time and place by this particular culture and these particular parents. And, um, you know, I also like the idea of Joseph being an old guy. That's often said. It doesn't really say in the scriptures, but I don't know. For some reason, tradition presumes he's old. So maybe one one icon for old age is, you know, what to do about it. You know, let God come. You know, let God be born. And, and you're never too old to... You know, let, let Jesus be born for you, and I don't know. That just That's really came as an idea for me. But um, and uh, you know, another comment. Danish theologian Niles Gregerson, I think is his name, talks about uh, Jesus. He's so human. He's born, you know, with into the carbon nitrogen. You know, all of the cycles that we're born into. Yep. Born of the stardust contains all the minerals and liquids and. Oxygen that we are born into, and you know he's part of the history and evolution of the earth, and um, you know utterly human, and it's it's hard to really grasp the reality of that because we've so um, spiritualized our faith, and that's why I love returning to the incarnation and the earthiness of the human being Jesus, and um, Walter Wink talks about Jesus being really the only human being he's, he's like he's what, what it means to be a human being, human being. and the rest yeah. of us are the humans becoming you yeah. know and yeah, jesus is like embodies what it's supposed to look like and so we're all becoming until we become a being mm. like oh, wow yeah yeah wow that like sounds that. right that's cool i haven't heard anybody quote walter wink in a long time that's really cool yeah, yeah. so uh we have this story in luke yeah. We have uh, in the Gospel according to Matthew, uh, the angel Gabriel appears to Joseph and says, mm-hmm. you know, don't divorce her, right? This is, yeah. and so we get that. And then in Mark, we start at the baptism, and then uh, you're preaching on the first Sunday of Christmas with the prologue uh, where we have a pre-existent Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, and in the beginning that, that uh, refers back to the, in the beginning of the beginning of Genesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and out of all of this, we take, we take, the scripture, and we take tradition, and we create 
uh, a theologian's nightmare, the Christmas pageant, which uh, theologians hate. Uh, biblical theologians hate the Christmas pageant, and these guys know love the Christmas pageant. The most fun you can have in church uh, is to be had at the world's greatest Christmas pageant here at St. Mark's Episcopal Church, 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve on the stream. Don't miss it. It's got a disco ball. Uh, and, and so let's just talk for a moment. We're we're, we're 20 minutes into our time together. Yeah. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Let's just spend a moment on the Christmas pageant, which mm -hmm. takes all these stories, mushes them all together. <laughs> the people of God love them. Theologians can't stand them. What do you make of the Christmas pageant? I have to say, I may be a theologian, <sighs> but I love the Christmas pageant. And I think that people who don't, uh, who want to quibble with the Christmas pageant are... Um, Mm, a little persnickety. How's that? Snickety. Take a chill pill. There you go. That's your prescription. Take a chill pill. What I love about the Christmas pageant is that this story craves to be put on the stage. Oh, I mean, you, nice. you, you, you said at the, at the beginning, Elizabeth, that it's the writer here is masterful, mm -hmm. right? And of course, he set out to um, set out to write an orderly account to Theophilus. Nice. Uh, you know, that's how Luke begins. Uh, we got the orderly account here, right? He's given us time, place, who's in charge, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it is beautiful. And you get you almost get scenes, right? Uh, in the way that Luke tells the story. Oh, right. And so of course we, you know, I think biblical theologians get upset because you're like mashing together the Matthew narrative and the Luke narrative. Right. And there are, you know, there's some inconsistencies, yeah. right? So Quirinius if I'm remembering correctly from a New Testament class, which was a long time ago, Quirinius is not the governor of Syria while Herod the Great is still alive. So either Matthew is right that this is happening when Herod is the king, or Luke is right that this is happening when Quirinius is the governor of Syria. There's I mean, some just kind Luke of is something wrong, like I that. Think, I, just, I think we can claim Just Luke is just wrong. I think Luke is wrong. And I want to say, who it's cares? <laughs> I would say who cares. I'm with you on that one. Right. And it's not that it's not that that's not an interesting. It's not that it's not an interesting question, right? I, I get it's important, like when exactly was he born, which gospels historically right or not. But the story itself is supposed to embed itself in our in our hearts. That's what it means for this story to be the word of God. It's not that all the words are like historically, literally accurate in every single case. Like God has dotted the i's and crossed the t's of history in this particular text. It's that we continue to encounter the same. God in Christ, whom the shepherds met when they went to the stable, in the reading and in the proclamation of the story. And the Christmas pageant is, I think, one of the very best ways the church has come up with to proclaim the story in its fullness. Mm -hmm. So that's my apology in the defense sense of that that's word. Great. I'm not apologizing for the Christmas pageant, but I am yeah, giving yeah. my apologia for the Nice, no, that's good. You have a PhD in theology. After all, and you really need to make sure you get that right. Mm -hmm. uh, I have like a BS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it works here. Whatever, whatever you got, it works. Yeah. What, what, what do you make of the pageant? I well, I love the pageant. I never, I never moved beyond being cast as a sheep, and I have, um, you know, a little scar from that, and I also have a swollen, broken toe that remains from having the toes stabbed by a shepherd's crook. So. You know, it's There's marked a lot of in issues here. I was not aware. You're hearing it first time as I'm hearing it first I get time. But anyway. hey, that's yeah. live no, theater. No, yeah. I loved it all, and I yeah. still love it, and it's great. And I, I guess you know, I, I always have to ponder in my heart how mm. the church sometimes stops short. I wouldn't say mm. our church, but you know, the, the church everywhere can stop short and infantilize the whole Christmas story and leave it there. That's true. And then you know, we move along through our year, but 
but it gets it turns dark very quickly after Christmas. Um, but That's for sure. you know, if we were to do a pageant with grown-ups in all the roles and have, you know, a, not a photo op type pageant, I, I I just love it the way we do it. It's there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just wondering like, a second scenario where the story had to be kind of um, taken really seriously and and acted out in the way with the drama and the desperation, you know, the two fleeing. Uh, a hardship and you know desperately trying to find a place to give birth i mean that is like intense there's nothing beautiful about that in reality and um so i don't know there there's other there are ways to act this out that might um drive home the real marginalization mm. of jesus and mary and joseph and the desperate straits they found themselves in and the unlikely reality of it um, yeah. So there's a little cold water on your parade. Right? I actually, but I, I, love I, the, love I love that idea. The pageant, don't get me wrong. I love that idea because, I mean, it's hard to ask a four-year-old to, <laughs> to dramatize the massacre of the innocents, right? But you're right. Yeah. The story turns dark just like that, and this yeah. story has a lot of has a lot of darkness in it too. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. I think they're so afraid for a reason. They're so afraid of a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, now I, I think it's a great idea. The adult, <laughs> the world's greatest Christmas pageant: colon the adult rated version. R. Yeah, rated R. <laughs> the rated R version because this story is rated R. I mean, the massacre yeah. of the innocents, which comes right on the heels of the mm -hmm. story in Matthew, mm -hmm. is shockingly brutal. Mm -hmm. Shockingly brutal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, there's no doubt that the story has uh, many, many complicated and difficult elements in it. I mean, it's built right into it. Uh, uh, just that their their oppressor makes them go when she's you know when she's pregnant. They got to go 90 miles, and when she arrives, there's no room at the end. She's got to give birth. I mean, there's all mm -hmm. that built into it. Mm -hmm. uh, just want to say I want to honor your time, and we're so grateful for you uh, uh, tuning in with us. And just uh, you're receiving this before Christmas, and uh, just want to let you know that the world's greatest Christmas pageant does exist here at St. Mark's Episcopal Church in New Canaan, Connecticut. That's 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. You can come to it or you can stream it. And then at 9.30, there is the music of the season. Maestro uh, is going to produce some beautiful music from 9.30 to 10. And then at 10 o'clock, we have a festival Eucharist uh, where we, we raise a hallowed sound to our Lord and preach the gospel. Uh, and then on Christmas Day, 10 o'clock, uh, you can come in person or you can also stream that. And then on one Christmas, uh, the first Sunday of Christmas, this mm -hmm. is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, mm -hmm. you're the preacher when we hit the prologue of John. Mm -hmm. It is the 12 days of Christmas that follow. It is a Christmas season, not a Christmas day. Uh, and so we invite you to all that. We also invite you to like and share and post and do uh, this with us and be in touch with us uh, because we grow from all of you. We are a community uh, gathered around that babe in the manger. So God bless you. Merry Christmas and look forward to seeing you soon.